0: This is Lampshade Media Presents
1: Sensuous Lions, Jason Hillman. I would love to welcome you to the show the newly branded show lampshade media presents sensuous lions
0: sensuous lions that's a great title that's a good branding that reminds me of uh uh what was it vaporwave uh <laughs> this the most uncomfortable music i've ever listened to in my life
1: we don't have to talk about it so like vaporwave
0: yeah, Vaporwave is just, uh, if you were dragged around the mall by your parents or went there to escape your parents in the 90s, people decided to take all that music and then make it even more uncomfortable somehow. And uh, and now millennials listen to it while they work or not work because we don't have jobs. But it's, uh, it's literally the most uncomfortable music I have ever heard in my life. It just makes my skin crawl, but it's also super relaxing, which is the millennial experience, I think. <laughs> that is so
1: fucking funny dude that is like we are like okay so like i'm like i kind of like i'm like like everyone else like really fucking tired of this boomer bullshit you know and like i'm tired of like all these bullshit assertions being made about millennials and it's just all very annoying but man it's there's there's a little truth to it
0: tell me more what do you mean (laughs) like
1: i feel like i am annoyed with uh you know their attention to detail like it seems like you know nobody was ADD or adhd so like they just like don't accept that at all right as a thing
0: well the beautiful thing about boomers is like hey we come from a generation that repressed all our feelings there were no gays or trans or adhd that's a bunch of new stuff the fact of the matter is is everyone had this stuff everyone was suffering from this stuff but you didn't talk about it you just did your work and yeah. took your pills. These and that, things that's that's like even
1: prescribed until that's and that means it's all fake, right? So yeah, no, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fucking silly. <laughs> Dude,
0: I'm literally I'm damn near 40. And I uh, it took me so long to like shake off like that fucking the like the, the capitalist skin that they like drape over your shoulders when you're born into that. Wow. It was nuts. Like it, it um like I thought I was supposed to have a kid by now. I wouldn't have been able to take care of a kid um yeah. college was all of my everyone i know that actually went all the way through college are now saddled with debt that they can't pay Oof, um yeah. being told that if you don't go to college you're going to work at mcdonald's and mm-hmm. mcdonald's is the worst possible place you can work and then it's like why don't you work at mcdonald's boomers have absolutely no idea what kind of world they built for us
1: i am 100 percent hearing you on all of this man Oh, I'm heated. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, like I didn't go to college, right? I I went into the trades, and uh, at the time it was like, yeah, good for uh you. N- Well, no, I mean at the time it was basically like, oh, okay, I, I, you know, I'm fixing to be a loser here. You know, like I'm just gonna like work hard and beat myself up my whole life. You know, uh, that was like kind of a like a thing that was going through my brain you know and like nowadays i'm like no man we need some fucking tradesmen out here this shit's ridiculous we need people that are that give a shit and are skilled you know in these fucking trades like because this is not the fucking right mentality for like you know a good portion of, of, of americans right
0: the best education i received as a child was not from school i got kicked out of schools i got i the best education i received was from my uncle and from my grandfather who taught me how to build shit who taught me how to uh, measure who taught me how to like create things out of nothing like they they were terrible people but they taught me good lessons which is as opposed to the people in the schools who pretended they were good people and taught us nothing
1: so are you are you in the trades then
0: am i in the trades i've uh, i worked uh, in real estate and uh, contracting in the early part of this decade i was okay. had a real estate or had a, had a apartment business uh, where i was a property manager and i would also I'm pretty good at fixing stuff. I didn't. I haven't applied a lot of that knowledge.
1: You definitely sound like a capitalist. I actually
0: didn't enjoy that experience in any way, shape, or form. So no, I thought <laughs> I could be a capitalist. I thought that I could do that job, and the fact is, is that it was some of the most demoralizing work in my life.
1: Yeah, I mean, did you actually like have it in your head like I want to be a capitalist? I want to go and fucking make some mad bank and take advantage of people, or?
0: Uh, no, that was somebody else who, uh, had convinced me to help him run and start his business and had made a really good case that we're going to be different. And it was for a little while when we had 10 properties, when we had 20 properties, but when we got to like 60 to a hundred properties, his mentality changed and mine didn't. And so we, we started getting into the fuck people over wave. And, uh, that's when we got into a really big fight and, uh, and he ended up quote unquote firing me, but, yeah. uh, I, I really hate that business. Um, yeah. I think that, uh, property management and landlording is based around an exploitation of the proletariat. Um, mm. the only reason that a landlord has a home is because of the people who work for him. It's just like corporations. Yeah. But I mean, I learned all those skills when I was young and i kind of abandoned them because i was interested in you know arts i wanted to be an artist <laughs> i have a bit about how my father i wanted to be a doctor too but my father talked me out of it because he's like it's bullshit <laughs> it's not worth it
1: okay what he's he, not you what, you're what not gonna hate ha-
0: you're gonna hate everybody
1: did your father so have like, some right. special knowledge about uh, being a doctor is there, there's some in, inside info there
0: my dad was a psychiatrist
1: okay so he understands doctors
0: yeah 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 so he's like you're gonna go to college and it's to be full of some of the most selfish self-righteous assholes you've ever met and i'm like well i guess i'll do comedy because that's the same thing so i took a different tact and as i was beginning my comedy career is when this interaction happened i actually met the dude through that and i was like this seems like a good way to make money i can give back to my community so on and so forth yeah. And like i said like the mentality completely changed once the money started rolling in once um Once this, once this person thought that they had reached uh, an appropriate uh, strata, that he's better than people, you know, and we just had a disagreement, they're thriving in whatever they're doing. And I I, I hope that, you know, they continue to thrive. And um, I've taken my path. Uh, But I learned a really important lesson during that time, because it was I don't mean to be hyperbolic. I do mean to be hyperbolic. It was a complete betrayal of my values. Mm. And so I was completely yeah. overwhelmed by that the entire yeah. time once we, once it started happening. So, yeah. um, I, I think I'm a capitalist in the sense that I know that I have to, now I know that I have to like sell stuff and I just sell myself, but like, yeah, yeah I'm not as into it that way.
1: Well, I definitely like, i grew up super fundamentalist uh, li- anybody that's listened to the show knows this because it's the only thing i ever want to talk about but anyway like there is a deep sense of you have to provide for yourself right so you have to create you have to be productive yeah. in some way and that is like super important to the ethos right is that like you can't be lazy Right. that's what they tell you yeah um that at least as a fundamentalist yeah when did you
0: realize that that was all nonsense that the idea that you have to work yourself to the bone to have any kind of respect to garner any respect was nonsense and that is completely contradictory to human existence
1: that is a fucking great question so like uh my deconversion which i've spoke about a little you know in, in different you know places on the show so far already was a long process and i would say the probably. i I, early on i i was aware of like the way the church looked at homosexuality was bullshit, and uh i was kind of willing to challenge the church on that you know and that was like in the very beginning because like when i was younger i was you know not ready for that at all but like at some point you know i i was like oh you know i don't i i shouldn't have to tithe uh, you know, the, the, like this is like weird. And this is like, you know, how would they take advantage of people and, you know, shit like that, you know, and, I, and then like I slowly, slowly, slowly at some point it was like climate change is probably real. You know, global warming is probably real. You know, that was way late. In the process, the very fucking last thing, I'm pretty much okay with Marx now. You know what I mean? And it took a long motherfucking time yeah. to understand that I could be okay with Marx's ideas.
0: What's amusing is that religion to a certain degree, at least Christianity in the way, because I've, I've been, I was not raised in the church. I was raised by atheists, but I ended up at churches because of people I met and I would like to experience it. And what they yeah. preach is kind of what Marx is talking about, this kind of uniform yeah. community Um, but what they actually practice is grotesquerie is, uh, you know, discrimination and homophobia and and the covering up of assaults and the lack of punishment for those who do wrong and more for the people at the top and less for the people at the bottom. So it's, it's, it's fascinating to me that you, that's the thing you came around to wanting to treat people well.
1: Well, (laughs) uh. I mean, it's just, there's so much nuance there and we could like, honestly have like a fucking six hour conversation about like what the ideas were that were going through my brain and why they were there and how I was actually able to interact with those ideas that were so deep set. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, 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 I think it, to be honest, like coming through it, it gives me kind of a special knowledge of like what it takes to change your mind. Um, and I don't mean to sound too cocky about that, but I feel like the fact that I've like literally changed my mind about almost every single thing I've ever believed. I, I do sometimes like feel a little bit like fucking proud of that, you know, that I was able to do it.
0: You should be proud of that. That's amazing. That's uh, you should be proud of yourself.
1: Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I don't want to be like too like mouthy about it. Cause I feel like that's weird, but like, it is like a huge <laughs> fucking deal. And it was like, and it took like some serious humility which i do not fucking have in spare i am like stubborn as fuck you know <laughs> yeah i
0: know that feeling man yeah yeah yeah. it's um it, it's uh fascinating yeah. fascinating i'm
1: gonna i'm gonna have to interject here with uh with a conversation about fucking pizza have yeah you, hell yeah have you heard of joel good no well joel good is a fucking first of all glitter boy boy yeah and uh but a fucking fabulous comic and uh i hit him up and uh asked him to do this uh do it do a segment and he came up with this concept and uh, it's fucking great here we go food for thoughts
2: this is joel good with food for thoughts i'm here to crack an egg of knowledge on the frying pan of your mind cook it for about a couple minutes medium, medium well, lay them on top of the English muffin of everything you've known before, top it with ham or some sort of thinly sliced meat, and drizzle it with a hollandaise sauce of truth, creating the biscuit benedict of revelation, because much like benedict arnold, it will betray everything you thought you knew, like when East just realized god was dead, or bruce willis when you realized he was a ghost, it will change your life forever. Nation. How do you like your pizza? With some pepperonis? Of course. Maybe some olives? Sure. Broccoli? Fuck you. Leave, you're not welcome. Now, I like broccoli. I'm not a fussy child. Next to a steak or in a cheddar potato soup, it's right at home. But put it on pizza and, brother, you are straight fucking up. Now, you're probably thinking, Joel, who's even making pizza with broccoli on it? And I'll tell you. It's his goddamn use with septum piercings who failed at doing something actually creative like painting and decided to apply their shitty version of creativity on pizza. A product that wasn't broken and didn't need fixing. So they moved into low-income neighborhoods to sell their overpriced pizza to other septum-pierced assholes. And it's not just broccoli. There's artichokes, spinach, and fucking pears. Yeah, I said it. Fucking pears, like the fruit. Come on. But that's not even the real problem. I'm down to try something new. I'd give it a shot. Cauliflower? Sure. Fuck it. Let's have a taste. Mashed potatoes? Seems weird, but I'll put it in my mouth. The real problem is that these dumb white children think it's God's gift to man that they put pears on a fucking pizza, which is why it costs $40 for a large. Oh, and don't ask for a domestic beer while you're there or they'll look at you like you asked them to pick corn out of shit. No, they only have locally brewed IPAs that everyone pretends doesn't taste like soap or Mexican Coca-Cola, because everyone knows Coke tastes better if it comes from far away. Now don't get me wrong, I'm not here to advocate for big corporate basic-ass pizza like Domino's or Pizza Hut. I like a mom and pop pizza shop. That's actually ran by a mom and pop who has fed this pizza to the children and family who actually enjoy it. Not to a mom or a pop that's only a parent to the Pomeranian, who also wouldn't eat their bullshit-ass cauliflower and pear pizza because it somehow has celiac disease. And if the real mom and pop wants to make a pair of pizza, go ahead, give it a shot. Just have it reasonably priced and don't be a dick about it. So what do we do about this bourgeois pizza? We topple it. Take it to the streets and degentrify your neighborhood. Sell Lucy's. Throw rocks at fancy cars. Stab a yuppie. Together we can take down the pizza elite and bring it back to the people it was intended for. Everybody.
0: Ugh. <laughs> uh.
2: Yeah, it's Joe
1: Good with food for thoughts. That's good shit. Yeah, it seems to uh it, it seems to fit right now. Perfect timing. Because we were just talking about uh some Marxist type shit, you know? We were yeah, no, that's a perfect it's
0: perfect because pizza is the is the is the perfect uh metaphor for the human condition.
1: Yeah, first of all you, you can, can use the pie uh you know chart uh right off the bat. The pie chart makes sense
0: and you can tell you can tell when you walk into a neighborhood how far it's come or how far it's gone. You walk into a little you walk into a neighborhood and there's only a little Caesars, that's because they know what the people want and they give it to them hot and fresh. Has it has <laughs> it was a freshly cooked maybe a month ago, it doesn't matter you want the pizza now.
1: It's $5. I don't have yeah. to drink.
0: It's $5 every time. Yeah? You
1: know? Yeah, yeah.
0: I don't and, need to go like I, I I we've I've had those nonsense pizzas before and it's like literally the reason why candy man
1: shows up <laughs> <laughs> i feel like uh, i i really i honestly don't hate this five dollar pizza situation okay like I'll, I'll stop in there i'll get me a pepperoni for lunch like it's you're getting a whole ass pizza for five dollars i'm not too proud you know like i grew up you know I'm, I'm pretty comfortable like with my light white trash heritage you know like uh I, I disagree with Joel Good and, and his, like, uh, you know, he, he doesn't appreciate any of the finer things in life, in my opinion.
0: <laughs> people who talk shit about Little Caesars Pizza are this kind of people who say, I'm not racist, but, you know what I mean? Like, that's, if you're, if you're mad at a way that people get fed, then you're just a class's goon.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I, it's, it's so interesting to me, like, and this is kind of going back to like, uh, you know, just perspective changes I've gotten older and whatnot is like the, (laughs) the idea of classes. I was like classist against myself and I didn't even belong (laughs) to the class that I was pretending I was classist against myself, you know? (laughs) Well,
0: that's what I love about, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I love about people who are classes, who are middle class, because they don't know that they're one week away from becoming the people that they're making right, fun of.
1: Right, whoa. You know what I Like, sure. it's
0: it's one of the most, like, I was in Portland recently, and, um, you know, they've got a, there's a, a big homeless problem there, and it's, they have plenty, it's, it's the most, con- the contrast is so stark because they've got these high rise condos that they're building that and these camps that live in the shadow of those condos that the cops are paid to sweep and destroy the property of every single week. (sighs) And so, and so I was waiting for a bus over there and um, some guy was walking around asking for people for change for a dollar. And some dude yells at him, are you still homeless? i have been here for 10 years. Get your shit together. Mm. And I was like, I yelled at him. I was like, shut the fuck up, you goon. Yeah. And this fucking little nurse who is a middle-class person was like, I don't think he was trying to be mean. That's not what he's about. That's not what he was saying. That's literally what he was saying. And you're sticking yeah, up for him. Yeah, yeah. You are a week away. Like the Joker, one bad day. I wish that people had a little bit more empathy and would pay attention to what's going on around them. Don't live around people that you are apparently disgusted by. It's, I hate it. I hate it.
2: Yeah. Um,
0: I think that, I think that what we've, um, i mean not to get too broad on it but I, there's a certain lack of empathy that's been kind of beaten into us um the idea of poverty and homelessness and all that being a moral failure is so ingrained in our consciousness yeah. because of i will say incredibly effective propaganda but that's yeah. that boomer that you they're not working hard Great um, call they back. don't have to be useful they're they're a whole human. They're hu- there's humanity there. Right. Um and, and maybe they could be useful
1: yeah. if you didn't like if you weren't fucking them up right now. You know what I mean? Like, like that's sort- the thing, man. Those those police sweeps
0: are an extra kind of cruelty that it seems like the cruelty is the point. Because I mean I've been burglarized three times this decade. And literally yeah. every single time that I lost my stuff, it was traumatizing to me. Imagine having that happen to you every week. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Let me just bring the mood down.
1: Oh, no, I mean, actually, like you've been like, we haven't even talked about your comedy at all because we've been keeping it very serious. But like, I really appreciate your perspective on things, you know? Yeah, I I feel like these conversations are hugely important, though. And and I think a lot of people are afraid to have them. Yeah. But no, actually, like we should probably talk about your comedy before we hit the halfway point of those episodes. I'm just going to cold, cold, hard fucking switch up right here. You got a you got a couple fucking records out, right? Dumb Wizard, and How I Stopped Worrying and l- Learned to Love Impotent White Male Rage, which is uh, that's right. a very fun reference.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, that's one of my... Um, I recorded that a couple of years ago. There's a fun story behind that because I'm re-releasing it. I had it up, and then the person that I sent it to for mastering kind of disappeared. And so I just had kind of the raw file up there and out for people to have. And then that person popped up. Uh, at the end of last year, completely brand new person. So I've got a copy of that. And there's uh, another album at a house so like show. Like they disappeared they
1: and became a better person and came back with the final product, like uh, you know, like some rite of passage. That's fucking tight.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I'm glad that I could facilitate that transformation for him. I hope, he, <laughs> I hope it's because he listened to it over and over. He's like, wow, this person deserves to be out there. And I have to be a better person. I have to get myself right so that people can get it. Yeah. So I have another one that's, um I recorded in uh, a house show in Chicago. So I'm going to combine those into a reissue called uh, Woke Menace and Other Vital Disasters. So
1: Ha. Huh. All right.
0: Because uh, I, I got into an argument with some fascist on Facebook, and he called me a woke menace. And I have just been obsessed with it because it's such a <laughs> dumb thing to call somebody. But it also um,
1: kind of sounds cool, too. <laughs>
0: yeah, 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 yeah. So... I'm definitely looking forward to that. Um, I dropped the dumb wizard thing because I didn't want to center it around Donald Trump. Oh, yeah. But that is a really good title. You're right. Um,
1: <laughs> so, yeah, those are going to be available soon is what I'm saying. Oh, very nice. Very nice. So, yeah, keep your fucking eyes peeled for that shit. And uh, we're going to put your uh, your uh, con- like contact info and website in the show notes. Where can people find you and whatnot?
0: Uh, right now, I'm building the website for Woke Menace since it's a relatively new concept. You can find me at Jason the Hillman on Instagram. Uh, I haven't posted there in a while, but I'm going to start uh, relatively soon because I've got a lot of new work. You can find me at Woke Menace on Twitter. All right. And from there, you can also go to Toby, 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 which is the podcast I run. It's, it should be on Spotify by now. It's kind of a pop culture ephemera podcast. Uh, um, yeah. And you can find me at Jason Hillman on Facebook. Uh, r- this week, we'll be talking about the Matrix resurrections we'll be talking about shang chi which i had a lot of feelings about and um and what if and also the spider-man trailer that i'm over now
1: and that that was uh that was pretty wild apparently like uh the world is just uh is just turning crazy now i don't i feel like watching marvel movies now like some kind of weird acid trip alfred molina's back is fucking you know doc Ock is like yeah i don't know if this is real or if i'm just fucking still on acid you crazy, know what what I love about it is
0: like I, what I love about South Park and, you know, people get mad at South Park now because the dudes are rich libertarian guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, we gave him the money, but the, it's literally memberberry shit. It's like, Hey, you, mem- you remember the man with the arms? He's coming back. You remember the green man? He's going to be back too. You remember? Yeah. And it's, it's just so in kind of infuriating. Marvel's whole strategy now is to like, strategically not have an end game of any kind and it's like one tease after the other and yeah it's but getting, that I'm, is like I,
1: comic book is shit man that is the it essence really of is. comic books so i'm kind of here for it like just keep making that shit that's good some good popcorn cinema you know it's like easy to consume like I, I don't know man people are all offended by it and shit and i'm just like yeah i don't know it's fun you know you don't uh, have to I'm like always for. watch something super serious i don't know fuck it
0: yeah. 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 Um, what I, I'm hoping is like, like I'll, I'll keep this brief about Shang-Chi. It is a martial arts movie with one of the greatest actors in Asian cinema. Uh, a couple of them actually, Michelle Yeoh and Tony Leung. And, nice. but it is one of those things where it references all of these things, but it's not as good, nearly as good as any of them. So I'm hoping that people, uh-huh. when when, children watch these things they're like oh that thing with the jacket was cool i'm gonna go watch jackie chan movies yeah or wow the, the villain was so cool i'm gonna go watch Wong car way movies um i like michelle right. yo wow i'm gonna go back and watch her old films and then like um so it's i'm hoping that it gives people when they see these 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 um prestigious actors in these roles they go back and they explore their catalog like even alfred molina alfred molina's had one of the best independent film careers of all time i want people who see doc ock to be like alfred molina i don't go watch frida and boogie Nights, you know
1: yeah man well like isn't that how uh tarantino movies work for you like when you were, you know early on or younger
0: Absolutely. So when people tell me that Tarantino rips people off, he's paying tribute to these things. Yeah. And he's di- and then he directly talks about them to you and says go watch them. Yeah. My favorite part of the 90s was Tarantino presents. There's a lot of movies that I saw that I would have never seen had it not been for him going, you should watch this. You should watch this. You should watch this. There's a movie called Hardcore Logo, which is like a found footage movie about a punk rocker on, on his last day. Yeah. And it is brilliant and I would have never seen it had it not been for Tarantino. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I I feel the same way about a lot of his uh like there's the like I found Tarantino made me aware of the uh connection of the western with Japanese uh traditional Japanese movies, right? Um yeah, and, and yeah. how they it seemed like westerns tended to copy a lot of the uh cultural ideas of the they would pretty much copy the movies entirely like the seventh samurai and the, you know uh the I magnificent, think it was like ma- yeah
0: magnificent seven um yeah no westerns were ripping off kurosawa while also being completely white supremacist for a long time it was pretty fun <laughs> uh
1: i mean man that's true like as uh man this is just you are the like probably one of the most uh political like outwardly political comics i've actually talked to which is kind of uh i like that um i love when people are opinionated so But that's, that's that's very interesting. Do you like have like these political like things in your, in your actual, in your comedy performances? Cause I've only seen a few clips on YouTube. I haven't actually watched you perform yet.
0: Well, yes, yes, I do. Um, I used to sprinkle them in and out dumb wizard. Now woke menace that, that is a completely balls to the wall, political album. And um, one of the things I found was that I couldn't take it everywhere Mm -hmm. So what I did was I made things more uh, personal where I talk about me, I talk about um, my ethnicities um, and uh, my sexuality and I like bring people in and then I kind of beat them to death with my political viewpoints. And so, and it's it's kind of, I warm people up to it now. um, But I try to have as much, I don't try to overtly be political. um, I try to, be funny first. And I think that's yeah. the lesson that everybody that's, has. That's, it's like you have to be funny first. Everybody thinks they're George Carlin. Everybody thinks they're Bill Hicks. Mm. And they're not because there's a certain amount of, of, of subtlety and intention yeah. there that you have to practice to be able to do that. As um, a
1: communicator, you've already committed to the fact that you're funny. So if, if what you're saying isn't funny, it's not going to land, right? If you're trying yeah, to make I don't a point. Like,
0: yeah, I don't like... Clapter. I like if you're laughing and clapping, yes. But if you're just clapping because I made a good point, I yeah. failed you somewhere.
1: This isn't like the fucking Senate floor or whatever, where the you know Democrats clap and now the Republicans clap or whatever bullshit.
0: Right. Yeah. 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 It's um, and so that's, that's lessons I've had to learn over time is to like pulling that back, looking at the audience. The, the shift for me was um, because I was doing comedy for me for a little while. You know, I, I just want like, to get my stuff out. And, um, you were
1: using it as therapy.
0: No, I wouldn't say I was <laughs> using it as therapy. <laughs> I love I that. Denial. <laughs> no, I don't think that comedy isn't therapy. Um, oh, no,
1: it's not, but it, I mean, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a it's, thing. Um, there's um, a was, there there.
0: I was using it as a soapbox for sure.
1: Hmm.
0: Um, so I had to switch that up a little bit.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. The ability to to communicate ideas to people is inviting to trying to convince people of you know your ideas, and I don't even I'll think even, there's anything wrong with that. I don't know what. do you- I'll, end-
0: yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, I keep. Uh, I will adjust even accordingly. Like I have this bit about this guy in Tennessee, like telling me that his biggest fear was his son being gay, and I was like, "That's your biggest fear? Do you have like that's." You have really shitty fears. The lame fears do. They're bigger fears to
1: have. Yeah, right, right. And one of them's
0: like a cloning project that inexplicably starts with Mike Pence was one of them. But when I go out into the country, it inexplicably starts with Joe Biden. Ah yeah, Joe Biden, he's the worst. Yeah. And so I will adjust accordingly because I want them to have a good time. <laughs> before anything. Because I will because the difference between those things is like even in those conservative shows where I'm saying something they disagree with, they laugh, they come up, they buy merch, they give me their email address, even though they, deep down, they loathe me. Mm. So, because I'm some just fucking libtard cuck that came into their little winery in the middle of nowhere and is trying to tell them about uh, racism.
1: Yeah. All of this, like... It's a good game. It's a good game. I know, man. It's like, it, it is like, it's... Ah, oh, man, it's like so... Uh, hard uh for me to deal with because i feel like i'm on both sides of it and that it's just a matter of tribalism like because i you know i came up in one tribe and now i'm in a different tribe you know and i can acknowledge that we don't see the same worldview but i also totally understand why they think the way they do and i also know that it's it it seems fucking batshit crazy and i get that you know uh just like when we look most people when they look at the uh heaven's gate cult right these people are fucking nuts right but when you're looking at when you're actually in the heaven's gate cult and you believe that shit it's it's way harder (laughs) to look at yourself and say this is fucking crazy right
0: we have an epidemic of loneliness and something like i mean you go back to all cults you go back to jim jones the people's temple you go to uh heaven's gate um, you look at people who worship Jordan Peterson, you have, like, they're all these very, these very lonely people who are looking for a group where yeah. they can join. Even Q, Q is a great example of that. Those people yeah. are lonely and they are scared. That's why they're doing it. Does um, it cause? Co- if it I, didn't I, cause damage, it would be, um, equitable to a cult. But the fact that it causes so much outward damage is why it's a problem.
1: I feel like i'm not comfortable with saying lonely because uh i think they have very very strong communities generally like on the right uh like family and community is huge and like the idea that like you know we're all in this together we're you know it's very very team-based you know so if if
0: they were if if they were they had strong community ties if they had strong family ties why are they sitting up all night on the internet talking to strangers. I don't
1: know. Why are you doing that? Like shit, you sound like you're arguing on Facebook from time to time. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's ego and fucking, you got me there. You
0: do got me there. That's a, that's a very good point. Um, so that even makes the point that we're kind of all cut from the same cloth.
1: Yeah, we definitely are. We just, uh, we don't get to choose the, the scenario into which we're born. You know, uh, that is, uh, that is not up to us. We, we just have to deal with the consequences of, uh, the place in the world and the moment in the world that we're born, you know, it's it's kind of fucked.
0: And it's like, yeah, do these these people kind of were inevitably on a crash course to be exactly where they are? Yeah, we're all, and, and and they're being they're being they're being pushed along by forces that are beyond their control.
1: Yeah, I think that uh, I mean, shit. Like, I'm a carpenter, and I I end up working with uh, a lot of people that are you know coming in from the country, you know, and so I and. and man i uh it's just the fact that everyone knows that fucking out in the country where there's less black people there's some fucking horrible racist bullshit that that comes into people's brains like that that is the environment in which they were born and like we have to like kind of deal with that and i like as a i'm a little bit like uncomfortable like with how do i interact with my coworkers when it comes to this shit you know But we have to fucking communicate these ideas to each other somehow. You know, that's a big thing that I'm trying to talk about, (laughs) if I can preach at all. Yeah,
0: yeah. my tolerance and patience for that has grown over time. Um, There was a period there where I was very aggressively against... You know, people who had a different thought than who had different opinions than I do, who I thought were on the wrong side of history. Yeah. And while I will leave a snarky comment, I try not to argue as much on Facebook anymore. Instead, I just leave a snarky comment and walk away. (laughs) Um, But it's it's more fun for me if you just walk away from the explosion. Yeah. But approaching it with nuance is where I've grown into, because you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. People have no choice. People didn't. I don't think people who are in Q would have ever thought they would have been a part of Q. People don't think they're going to end up in these situations, but life has a funny way of handing you, you know, keys to shitty castles.
1: Do you uh, run into people you disagree with? Like, say at work, for example, Like, are you dealing with, uh, with people that you uh, just don't see the world the same as? Is that a part of your life? Or are you well, more that in would... a bubble?
0: I try to interact more with people I disagree with. I... <sighs> I would say that I'm in a bubble. I'm in a good enough bubble. I, um, once I got out of that business relationship, I was very aggressively kind of like protecting myself from people like that. But the fact of the matter is, is that the people who have bad opinions, sometimes again, picked up those opinions from places that they were just naturally exposed to. And so it's not my job to change their mind, but it is my job to speak openly and honestly about my life. And if that affects them in some way, great. I can also choose not to interact with those people as much as I can outside of performing for them. I think that me going out and performing willingly, openly and not changing myself too much for people has more of an impact than anything else. Um, So, uh, I tried to, I tried to build those relationships through the performance. Yeah. Uh, Cause I, I did, I, I got really tired of doing just nothing but liberal rooms.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I think that like the ability to communicate is, it, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with using the handicap once in a while or whatever. And especially if you're, but like the ability to communicate is the biggest challenge is crossing those kind of boundaries. Right yeah my job i used to be in complete agreement when we listened to rush limbaugh and glenn beck fucking six hours out of the day and it's literally six hours out of an eight hour day we would listen to those programs you know and, and every day and we would just like you know participate in that as a group and that's just it's very common on construction sites man it's classic rock and it's fucking rush limbaugh you know he's dead now whatever But you know what I'm saying? Like, that whole, like, environment was, like, so huge for me. And then when I changed, now I, like, cannot deal with that shit. And I'm going to be playing NPR and shit. And, like, well, you know, let's actually have a conversation. But it's uncomfortable sometimes, you know? Like, these people don't want to hear this shit. They don't want to have the conversation. They're fucking already sure of what they believe, you know? And uh, I feel like I Sometimes you just got to grin and bear it to get through the day. I... I would never yeah, just, just listen to like, Rush Limbaugh a day, but I do feel like I owe it to them to be patient because somebody mm-hmm. was patient with me. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, it
0: does. Yeah, everyone can. Everyone should be afforded grace.
1: I'm assuming you have like a like a like a a a, a J-O-B at the at the moment, or uh, <laughs> what? Do, what do you do for a living?
0: Well, I work from home, so I do comedy and I do photography. Yeah, those are the things that I do mainly.
1: A lot of the comics on this show are, you know, holding a full time job in comedy and a full time job in in something else because uh, that's the hustle. And that's a good hustle. What are you hustling with?
0: Uh, my camera. That's what I hustle with. I've been a photographer for about ten years. Like last summer, I worked for a shoot company. Uh, now I do headshots and promo shots. I nice. shoot music videos. I shot a couple of uh, music videos for my uh, my co host on Toby 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 on Spotify now but um yeah so i do that on the side i do a little acting i do a little writing i try to try to stay as centered in the arts as i possibly can yeah and then when that like doesn't it. work out get that hustle you know what i mean i'll do a yeah. job
1: yeah have you been working alone because like i've kind of still been working with like the same people because i'm remodeling and shit as has your workplace changed how do you mean? COVID changed a lot of people's workplaces. Uh, a lot of people are working from home and not able to go into the office and stuff. So their social life has changed around uh, where they work. And it's been a whole fucking deal. Has that affected you?
0: Um, oof. It, it did affect me in the sense that because I still, I, I, I did all this beforehand. And what COVID did, and that's why I worked for a company last year, and that's why I... Um, Picked up photography again is because last year i had like six months of shows canceled oh i also do drug studies let me point that out that's another thing that i do on the side um i sell my body to science they do experiments on me they pay me thousands of dollars i can't see out of my left eye my balls glow in the dark but who cares i'm rich so i mean i had six months of shows canceled um the last time i was performing in front of people was actually and I always talk about how it was on stage in Aurora, and that's true. But my first, my last time performing in front of people for a year was at a drug study in a show yeah. that I set up. So, what it did you was. You a of,
1: show with your drug study? Is that what I'm hearing? That's what
0: you're hearing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just set it up in the living room. I, I picked a couple people to go up, and then I uh, dominated. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, drug studies are fascinating it's a fascinating uh because it's a life hack and a lot of people take advantage of it. i know people who tour around and do it we're lucky enough to have three around us and so you can kind of come back and forth between them and you know yeah uh they work out really well it's a lottery sometimes you get in sometimes you don't but i mean if you do you're lucky if you don't try try again
1: (laughs) dude you sound like you got this shit down to a science
0: I do now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because um, when I first started, I was like s- a little too honest with them. It was like, have you ever been depressed? Yeah, 1999. And they bring that shit up every time. Like, <laughs> are you still depressed? No, I'm not yeah. a teenager anymore, man. Yeah if you have sex be sure to wrap it up twice what kind of iud are the people you having sex with it's it's insane i
1: i feel like the people that you work with like whether you're self-employed like you're you're talking about or you're like wc working for an employer and whatnot like you're gonna have like people around you that have you know there's gonna be irritation there's gonna be like you know bullshit that comes between people right but like we like that's right comics like are i feel like especially adept at communicating but i feel like comics can also be super passive aggressive about that because of that ability but yes that's a different subject but communicating with uh with people is is huge right like it it, it's just like it's everything and like people treat work like it's just work but no that's a part of our life too we're trying to improve everyone around us right and be a you know, lift. Right? I'll tell you
0: what. Yeah, the, it, absolutely. The effect that COVID had, like the quarantine had on me, it was like then I literally, I've been grinding, I've been hustling for so long, you know. Yeah. Um, and I was working this other job, and I was working another job, and then I was like, I saved up enough money, I'm just gonna chill, and I chilled. I took a fucking sabbatical for like six months and just chilled out. And oh, wow. um, yeah, it really. Um, it refocused me because I had started to like, it was starting to get to me, you know, after a while, you accumulate so much, just so much stuff on your shoulders. And I just kind of like took the chance to relax and reaffirm that this is a thing I want to do. Reaffirm that this is like, am I going to go back to comedy? What's my next step? Is there another step for me in photography? What am I doing? I mean, when I came back um, recently to do, I'll go on a tour You keep bringing up communication. Communication is key. Nobody knew how to communicate with each other anymore. Like, I didn't know how to, like, when I was telling the, my very first show back, there was a woman in the front row who just talked to me the entire time. I was on stage for 40 minutes. It was literally just a conversation with this woman who had completely forgotten what it's like to be at a show where people are doing a thing. I had some joke where I read like, I remember I was like, something about Jessica Jones, and she's like, I don't who is that? I still don't know who this is. The whole, like, she kept asking me after every bit. I still don't know oh who God. Jessica Jones is. And then when my boy was up
1: later on, he
0: It's like she these every people time don't I would laugh, she would look at me.
1: The, the, the bit is, is supposed to feel like a conversation, but you're not actually supposed to respond. <laughs> you yeah, know yeah, what I mean? It's and like then the, I would
0: laugh. I would laugh at somebody else and she'd be like, why are you laughing? Like, because I'm doing my job. It's my job. <laughs> this is our job.
1: It's like, lady, this it is great. a one-way conversation. And that's a part of the whole bit. Uh, so yeah, help me out.
0: But same here, dude. Like when I was at the show um, at some winery and usually I'm pretty good on the fly. I can make stuff up. I can handle hecklers. I can handle issues. These people were on their phone, wouldn't get off their phone. And I'm like, I got a good one for you. And then I just stared at them because I completely forgot cues. I forgot how to communicate. I forgot how to, it was like, it was super weird. I ate shit for like three days in a row and it was amazing because it was literally me readjusting to the world. I hadn't been around that many people in seven months.
1: Well, I have, uh, now that we're on the subject, I have, you know, if it feels like I've been leading here, it's because I have like a, I've got this fucking, uh, this fucking huge tool in my back pocket here. I've been working out this deal with, uh, with a with a Mister Mark Nichols, a workplace wellness coach, and I think, from what we've discussed so far, after you know the past shitty two years, I really think this guy could help you.
0: I do think that. Yeah. Is is he qualified? How much does he cost?
1: Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure on the cost, but I can assure you. That uh, this company, Lampshade Media Presents, uh, funded by Lampshade Media, funded by Mel Milliman Jr., uh, is is willing to pick up the tab on this just because we want to support comedy, you know? That's what we do.
0: You know, I really appreciate that. That's beautiful. You yeah. guys are really giving back to your community.
1: Yeah. The, I, I really, really can't emphasize that enough, is that, that I am... Uh, a serious martyr. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. 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 Nail yourself to the cross, man.
1: Yeah. That's, that's what I'm doing. And I appreciate that you see it, you know? So we're going to, we're just going to call him right now.
3: Uh, You've reached Mark Nichols at Hit the Mark. What can I do for you today?
1: Hey, this is Mel Milliman with Lampshade Media. I got uh, Jason Hillman from Chicago or Milwaukee on the uh, line here. And uh, we're just looking for some advice on uh, working in your house alone. (laughs) Oh, my God. Mel! Oh, anything for you, buddy. Oh. Jason, wh- why don't you tell them your your situation? Well, um,
0: I've been locked up in my home for uh, approximately 342 months, and I'm trying to figure out a way to reacquaint myself with the outside world. I become something like a golem figure. Um, I work from home; all of the stuff I do is from home. I'm now uh, too afraid to leave my home. I'm looking for some advice how to get back out there in the world. Yeah. No, and, and Jason, I just I just
3: want you to know that you're not alone in this. You know, this is something millions of Americans are facing and even people but like in, my, in other my situation countries. is special. No, exactly. Millions of Americans that are not as good as you. But oh, thank you. Thank you for acknowledging that. No, 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 no. It's It's a difficult adjustment, I think. One of the things that we lost when people started working remote, did you start working in, in your home uh, during during the pandemic, Jason?
0: Well, I worked, I worked home from home before the pandemic and then uh, I became so afraid to go outside that even though the world's opening back up, I uh, have decided to barricade myself indoors like uh, like Robert Neville, in I am legend, sort of that, because now I view the outside world as full of infected plague filled zombies which isn't that far from the truth, but I want to interact with them again.
3: Yeah. Yeah. One thing
0: that I want to be really
3: helpful in your situation would be to frame. So you said, you know, potential plague infected zombies. Why don't you think of them as potential LinkedIn connections, Um, (laughs) future colleagues, uh, someone who could throw your name into the conversation at a coffee shop. When a startup is looking for a new founder, you know, there's, so many opportunities out there, and that's really what you got to think of people as opportunities. And I think once you so shift to that mindset, they're not going to of- bite me. They're not going to bite you, but you want to be ready to bite okay. at any opportunity or any goal position they have ready. People are tools, Jason, and trust me, you can be
0: a hammer <laughs> or you can hold the hammer, and you want to be the one holding. Ah! I prefer, I like the sickle and hammer personally. That's the kind of system I'm trying to get to, but I keep getting yelled at Uh about it. And again, do you want to be the tools or do you want to be the farmer? (laughs) That's right, that's right. I want to be the Stalin.
1: Man, you guys can really stretch an analogy. (laughs)
0: Look,
1: look, look, I think we we all know
0: what we're talking about. (laughs) taking over a country and, imp- and imposing yeah. my will and ideology. Yes, this is exactly what we're talking about with the people and using the people I've met on LinkedIn as my, uh, as my workers, my, my patriots.
3: Yeah, you know, that's why whenever anyone
0: talks about unions, I always
3: roll my eyes because you know the, the, the biggest you know, system and most equal system is always going to be one that has a central leader with limitless power and
0: authority. Exactly. Why let these people think for themselves? Clearly, they're not doing a good job of it already.
3: No, and, and you see, Jason, one of the difficult things about not going out into the world is that you lose the ability to let these people believe that they have power. Because that's key, right? You know, you can't, if, if someone's a hammer, going back to it, you pick up that hammer, Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. you can't,
3: you don't want them to know that they're driving the nail. They need to feel like they're choosing to drive that nail, even if you have a gun to their head.
0: That's what makes business work. That's right. They need to know that I'm too legit to quit. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. I'm I'm really, I'm really, see, that's the thing is like, I've been, I've been meaning to go out there and start a movement again, but I'm so afraid now because I feel like all the people that would listen to me are dying anyways. So what's the point?
3: Wow. You know, this is a great question. What's the point? That's something that people have about their work, about their lives. And I think the easiest way to answer that question is to say, why not make your work your life? Why get confused and you know, cross-wired with, oh, well, I like to do this, but my job is this? Just only do your job. You have some free time, do more of your job. Research how to be better at
0: your job. Make my work their jobs. Yes. Yeah. I agree with you. Yes, absolutely. Making my life their work. That's, I'm hearing you loud and clear. What I'm doing is I'm, I'm, I'm denying people out there the opportunity to work for me. I'd say with me, but I don't mean it. Work for me. Right? It's, as I'm sitting here, there's all of these people desperate for meaning, desperate to have something to do in their lives. And I'm just sitting here like with all of my great ideas, not forcing them on them. God, what a, what a doof I feel like.
3: Well yeah, yeah. I mean it's it's tough because on the one hand you think, well, what do I want out of life? But that's that's not the question that we should be asking ourselves. It should be, what can I get out of other people's lives?
0: Yes.
3: (laughs) Oh, yes. Exactly. And that's what you're that's what you're answering now.
0: How can I suckle at the marrow of their hard work?
3: One thousand percent. If you interview as many executives as I talk to, and I talk to a lot of Fortune five hundred execs who were like, I my my team's culture is weird. I go in and I take a look and I, I give them some recommendations, some strategies. And one of the most common things I see is people thinking that everyone needs to be, you know, have this sense of equity and, you know, equality between employees, but really what you need is to just have them terrified. So scared all the time. It is remarkably cheaper. And really, you know, on par in terms of output. So when you are getting those folks to join your cause, to join your company, to work for you, I I would not underestimate the power of a gun, depending on the state. Oh, my. I'm calling you from Ohio. We're open carry. I don't know
0: where you're at. Well, this is why all businesses are moving to Texas.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And actually, what a lot of people don't know about employment law, if you've got an office in Texas, you can hold... Your employee in Illinois at gunpoint. That's okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This is uh, okay. So I'm gonna like I I just gotta say like as far as lampshade media is concerned, uh, this is getting a little scary for me. Like you're saying that as a as a response to you know the workplace environment and and creating good atmosphere at work, that that guns you you're gonna you're gonna say that guns are the deal. That's the that's the well they're not real guns, man. They're 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 (laughs) They're replicas,
0: they're paintball guns, they're super soakers. You're going to get punished if you don't fall in line, but we're not going to kill you. We
1: need you for the work. I feel like I'm okay with super soakers, um, but even the replicas are a little bit, you know, just the intention there is a little scary for me. Am I, uh, am I uh, do you think I'm not fit for the workplace, Mr. Nichols?
3: Well, I think it really depends on what kind of work you're looking to do. And, you know, my, my daddy always said, if you want to do good work, you're going to have to hurt good people to do it. And, Amen. And I think that's one of the hurdles that a lot of people are scared to jump over. And so maybe that is a super soaker. Maybe it is an antique gun. You know, I, I consulted for a firm for a cattle lobbyist, and they had, you know, an old fashioned Remington rifle uh, over top the fireplace in the conference room. And they had this running joke where if you have a bad idea, the CEO would take it off the wall. And he would put the, you know, the sharp bit of it into the into the person's mouth, and then every, everyone would point while they pretended to fillet it. Oh and what? you know, to a lot of people, that's that's uh, harassment. But when you're a part of that team, that's bonding. That's trust building. That's saying, I admit that I yeah. made a
0: mistake. <laughs> that feels like a morale booster. <sighs> So I just want to make this clear. So they take the bad idea off the wall, stick it in the person's mouth, and then everyone just pretends to, is it a hand thing? Is it a mouth thing? Is it like a lady in the tramp situation where they're just kind of biting on it till they get to the man's mouth? Or are they not coming in contact well, with it? We'll Tell see, me more exactly about this. this. This is, yeah. I got to use well, I mean, this I, in know, my uh, shows.
3: Right, right. Well, you know, I can't give away everything about the firm um, confidentiality, but essentially, hmm. yes, this is your chance as a junior associate. You give a bad suggestion. And they're like, all right, you start sucking on the musket. (laughs) And that is your chance to show your muster. Okay, I had a bad idea. What else can that mouth do? You get to display it. (laughs) So I would say how to ask yourself, where does something like that fit in your life? Because I bet it fits in more places than you think.
0: (laughs) The what that mouth do uh, brand of management. I like that. I really want a book on this. Do you have a book?
3: Uh, Yes, Mel, Uh, and one of the things that I try to get across when I do seminars is meeting people with what they want and what they need. So yes, I've written a book. I will be honest with you. It's 172 pages, 40 of those pages have text. The rest does not have text, but people are looking (laughs) for something that appears like a book, Mm, but mm -hmm. it's not important if all of it is filled
1: out. (laughs) That's brilliant. That is brilliant. I only had enough for a pamphlet, but people want a book. Because like it's about the spirituality of it, right? It's like about the energy that comes out of the holding of the book with the intention in it, right?
0: Right. If they if they care so much about words, they write their own book in the pages that are blank.
3: Look, I mean it's it's like it's like a bill. A bill in Congress. You know they say, "Oh, this the Medicare bill is 2,000 pages." They're lying. It's 40. And then the rest is just blank. It's all a trick.
1: (laughs) 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 So like, basically, nobody's ever actually read this. It's like, oh, have you read that? Like people always post in studies on Facebook, right? Like, oh, have you read it? Or are you just posting that shit? You know, to be fair,
0: the, the point here seems to be that Donald Trump's a genius.
2: Ah.
0: <laughs> Remember when that dude showed up at press conferences with like, I got all these papers. I got all these papers that have all the information, but it's all blank pieces of
1: paper. <laughs> no, that was brilliant. Well, but but right.
3: the one thing I would critique there, and, and this is a great example. This is a live case. This is the kind of stuff when I'm teaching at you know Harvard Business School. This is one of the things that we like to cover is mm-hmm. what he should have done you want the first 10% and the last 10% of a packet to have text. And then you want 5% somewhere in the middle in case those sheets <laughs> fall out. So you only need to write 25% yeah. of a book. But you, his mistake was he had it front loaded so you could see that there were blanks on the back.
1: That's a mm-hmm. mistake.
3: As someone who's written yeah. 40 pages across seven books, you know, I, that's what I've <laughs>
1: Oh wow. Uh, that is uh that is some pretty good advice. I'm feeling that you feel this that is still? good. I'm that Jason.
0: I have a lot to think about really, and I have a lot to read or not read. I have a lot to I have a lot of perusing and pretending to read to do. And I have a yeah. lot of pretending to write to do. This is But but you have a plan, right? I do have a plan now, sort of. I mean yeah. it's still the same plan I've always had, but now I have new strategies.
1: There you go. See this is all very positive for everyone, you know. And this is all on uh, Lampshade Media's tab. What's your rate again? Uh so if I'm doing a normal uh hit the
3: mark, you know, workplace wellness consulting, we start at just an hourly assessment piece. That's going to be 1 hour I hear how things are going, I give some initial thoughts and we decide if we want to move forward. That starts at uh, you know pre-tax 11.99. Um that is 1199. Uh, per hour but you are getting full engagement you are getting a powerpoint slide presentation in response so it's really you know an incredible deal
1: well the powerpoints are hugely valuable to me so how much of that powerpoint is actually have anything on it though good question well
3: so what i've learned is that a lot of companies fall into one of three categories good bad or i don't know and So I've written responses to each of those three types of categories and I have them all on every slide. But depending on which one your company falls into, I make some of the text match the background. And that's kind of (laughs) how I tailor to each individual. So I have the presentation written.
0: (laughs) Right. But to you know,
3: make it that's pretty
1: efficient. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Oh my god. It's like a coloring book for executives. (laughs) Or a picture book for executives, yeah.
3: You know, I, I want to steer us away from the word or phrase picture book because it has this childish connotation. What we should be calling it and what it is called on my website where it retails for forty nine ninety nine, is a, a vision collection strategy book <laughs> for abstract minded
1: executives. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, it's, okay.
3: it's collating.
1: Well, that is, uh, you got a lot of shit going on, don't you? You're doing good work. Yeah. Yeah. I have.
3: I have made a lot of money off a lot of people and if that's not a life well lived then I don't know what is
1: I mean it just sounds to me like what I want to believe about you is that you just really care about everybody's like real life situations and that you're really just out there trying to like you know help your fellow man right yeah and I mean at, at yeah. your very core right at the very core I want to help you
0: sound him. like a man of the people who tells the truth and to be honest he'd probably be the first person I'd purge. But because we're not in that situation, I appreciate it. Right, and we would—we
3: never would be, because in the purge, I would have guards. You know, <laughs> I'd be one of them. I would—I'd oh, yeah. be purging. I would have been lobbying for the purge. You think that of me? You? Th- I'm the one who sends the guy
0: to knock. I'm the guy who outsources the knocking.
3: Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's good. I'm—I—I I'm, I wouldn't consider myself an outsourcer, because uh, I'm all about finding the
0: sources within.
1: Ah, that sounds creepy. That's nice. Yeah.
2: Like the matrix. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I still just feel like you just really meant it with really like good, whole, you know, good hearted intent. I just still feel really good about you.
3: Yeah. No, I want everyone to find the part of themselves that can beat the shit out of other people. Mentally, emotionally, professionally.
1: Everyone has yeah,
3: to, but not everyone but like can activate it in a good way. So you find yours yeah. and you get
1: yours. All right. Well, uh, yeah, you know, before I let you go, just one last time, uh, how, how much exactly do I owe you for this? So this, this was our, our one hour introductory consulting session. So I'm,
3: I'm just going to quickly put together a customized pre- slideshow presentation specific to your business and your concerns. Um, okay. It is totally unique to you. Uh, and I will send that over I'll include the invoice. Uh, you know, right now it's hard to get taxed. And of course, gratuity is optional recommended and appreciated. But I I think right now we're at about, uh, 1,354.
1: Dude, do not give me the friends and family discount. I'm telling you, like (laughs) you, you have been incredibly helpful. Okay. 1780. It's 1780. Dude, we are totally good for that, man. We really like Jason, right. You fucking like, you got a whole new like plan now, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm,
1: I feel like I've been
0: given a new life and a new lease on uh, yeah. my
2: plans. Yeah, yeah. That's what we do. Really, you that's really what changed my
0: perspective. I've, Again, I've been uh, docile, weak, living in squalor in my own home when I could be out there dominating <laughs> people even if they don't want me around. You know, I, I think that's a great <laughs> summation. That's that's the way to live. Oh, yeah. Well,
3: is it Doctor Dr. Mark Nichols? No, 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 no. You cannot say doctor because I am no longer allowed to use that in my promotional material. So just, just Mark Nichols,
1: CPA. Got it. Got it. Uh, no, Mr. even. <laughs> like it's a little too close to the edge.
3: Uh, it's more just, you know, when you have uh, an accounting license, that Mr. Nichols, CPA just sounds a little weirder. But uh, Mr. Nichols,
1: yeah, Mark, Nichols uh, Mark Nichols. Mark uh, Nichols, thank you so much for all of your help today. Oh, thank you so much for calling. Love to help someone. Thank you.
0: Yeah, I really appreciate you. I will absolutely reach out to you once I have established my kingdom. Thank
3: you so much. Oh, please do go forth and claim ownership because you
1: deserve it.
0: I do. Yeah. 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 I've been leasing this whole time. What am I what is my problem?
1: Actually, we we should probably keep this interview going. We gotta go, man. Thank you so much. Yeah. No, absolutely lovely to talk to Thank you. you. No. We're yeah. We're definitely gonna hang up now.
3: Okay. All right. Okay. All right, man it It was, yeah, it was no, nice meeting you, sir. Totally I hope to see you in the
1: no, future. No. Jason, don't <laughs> keep it going. Do not keep it going. Thank you so much, uh, Mark Nichols. Uh, see you, Mark. It. Yeah.
2: Ten
1: four. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, I, you know, I, I, I think that uh, I'm spending my money wisely when I when I go to Mark Nichols. Uh, you seem to get a lot out of that.
0: Yes, I am filled. I'm filled with knowledge. I'm full to the brim <laughs> with information. And I will spill it over onto my followers. You know, you got to do what you got to do. You got to listen to somebody else's information, then repackage it, then resell it to people at a higher price. So I feel like I got a lot out of that conversation that I mostly recorded yeah. and will be using later in my pamphlets.
1: Yes. Um, I'm glad we could uh, collaborate on that. It's uh, raising the price in between each level is the important part of the whole conversation. I feel If it like. works for
0: Scientology, it works for me. <laughs>
1: so you're from milwaukee you or are you from chicago like i, I was looking at your page like what, what what's the deal there you like grew up in the, in a big city or a, a slightly bigger city
0: i grew up all over actually um i my uh family moved about every six months so i've lived in california i lived in wyoming i've lived in ohio i lived in iowa i lived in ohio right across the border from huntington west virginia and proctorville So I've lived all over and then I moved out when I was 18. I moved to a tiny little town in Iowa and then I moved to Milwaukee.
1: Is Milwaukee where you're like uh, a lot of your creative uh, pursuits uh, began or were you already doing comedy and whatnot in in other cities? Milwaukee's
0: where it started. I started really getting on stage um, in like 2008 because I was originally a poet so I was doing a lot of uh, poetry jams.
1: Yeah I could expect that kind of liberalism from a poet.
0: (laughs) That's right. That's right. And at the time I had been working a job. I worked, I was a, by the time it closed, I was a store manager at Wilson's and then we closed right before the economic collapse. And then I kind of sat around because I'd earned enough in unemployment that I kind of had enough time to figure it out. I went all Jack Kerouac, drove around for a while to try to find myself. I found nothing as it turns out. And I, um, you know, started going to open mics Um, and Kind of the rest is history, and I I've stayed here because it's relatively inexpensive. I can go on tour, I can leave, I can come back, and it's yeah. super cheap. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff here. Milwaukee is really starting to improve itself. I used to be kind of a Milwaukee cynic. I've seen I've seen a lot of the underbelly of it, but like it's really trying its hardest to improve itself right now. Uh, I'm not a sports person, but I am definitely caught up in the fact that we just won a championship. We're about to win another one, so.
1: Yeah, you didn't invest anything in the team or the fandom. like. But like when it's happening, like, fucking, yeah, I'm from Milwaukee.
0: Yeah, it, well, it was nice to see that, you know, they really carved out this section of downtown. And they added this stadium yeah. and all of these businesses. And I was kind of like, well, why don't you put that money elsewhere? All that stuff. And then, you know, they managed to use it to actually make the people here feel good. Are they solving any of the issues? No. But there is something yeah. happening here. And... I'm hoping that it leads to more progress. So uh, if you have, you have someone like Giannis running around talking about it, it brings more attention to it and there's more uh, inspiration for the powers that be to fix these issues.
1: So the feeling that I get from you is that you are like totally willing to uh, put yourself forward to, to fucking uh, make a change or to make a statement about, you know, Important issues, right? Is that is that true, or am I like overstating that? Because I'm getting a real vibe from you that you want to fucking talk about real shit that, that impacts people.
0: Um, yes, in the right environment.
1: What does that? I used mean? to just start
0: arguments. I used to be, I just used to be more aggressive about it, and now I'm trying to do it in a more subtle way. I we just yeah. talked, we talked about that earlier.
1: I think anger does come before the ability to actually communicate. Right? Yeah, there's a period of anger that is healthy, I guess, or maybe I'm, I'm legitimately
0: angry at things, but being angry at people about those things, especially people who can't really do anything about it is completely counterproductive and it causes people to not want to listen to me. And if you're not listening to me, you're also, if you, if, if I turn you off, then other people who talk like me are going to turn you off to, and you're going to close yeah. your mind completely to the idea that things could be different. And so all yeah. I'm trying to present is a different opinion. I'm not, I'm not begging you. I'm not demanding of it, but here's the way that yeah. I see things. And I hope that you come along with me because I'd like you to be on the right side of history with me, but I'm also not going to be pissy yeah. with you when you don't, because that's rude and judgmental and yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because as you said before, a lot of people don't choose to have the opinions they have.
1: Yeah. I understand that you uh, actually have some experience dealing professionally with mental health issues. You're involved with uh, with NAMI. It is NAMI. Yeah. Uh, the National yeah. Alliance on Mental Illness. Um, I got involved with them. My history
0: with mental illness is, and I'll keep it brief, it's, I mean, I've been, I had a very destructive developmental period when I was born and all that jazz, and I was just a messed up kid. And Um, I didn't get along in school, and so I started getting diagnosed with shit when I was six, started getting pills shoved into me, started getting all sorts of diagnoses. I spent most of middle school in a psych hospital uh, against my will. Um, And so I've been dealing with those things um, a lot, and I was one of those people who really thought that this is what defined me, you know, that this
1: would be you thought your mental illness defined you like that's who you were as a person that's
0: how that's the way that's what i was taught because the only way people talk to me for a while and this happens to so many people they talk to them as if their mental illness is who they are as a person and so it's very easy to take it on as a personality because you're driven to do that by the doctors by your family members your support group like oh oh it must be i remember so much of like if I would act out, quote unquote, in any way. Oh, did you remember to take your medicine, Jason? Oh, he must be having a, a breakdown. I guess I guess we'll have to cater to him and figure out what's going on. And so there's always this gills yeah. that they saddle the mentally ill with. So moving forward, um, I'd been doing comedy for a little while. And the uh, NAMI in Milwaukee, the director was doing a play called Pieces, which is a production... Yeah. In which uh, a bunch of actors get on stage and do monologues about specific mental illnesses, and we toured it or they toured it around. And uh, okay. comedy buddy of mine, Chastity Washington, which you should look up. She's one of the funniest people that's ever lived on planet Earth. Um, right. She suggested might, me.
1: Like, have to get around the show.
0: Chastity Washington. Um, she suggested me for this role, and I went in and read for it, and it was for ADHD, and I ended up a part of this group. And, um, we toured that around, uh, for six years, we did this, we went to, uh, churches, we went to schools, we, uh, went across the country. Uh, Our biggest show was in Washington, DC at a church in Washington, DC. It was a really impactful thing. And what was fascinating to me about it is like, you know, when you do with, we do the same thing enough times, you start, it starts to lose the magic. We Mm -hmm. were just kind of doing it and doing it. And every time I would start to feel that we would do this show and somewhere, and we would do a Q&A afterwards, and people were so desperate for anyone to come yeah. to them and talk to them as if they were human beings and present a human side to yeah. mental illness that um, I was blown away all the time. There was, there was one season yeah. finale show we had where a woman who said she hadn't spoken in forever decided to sing to us. Everyone got up and like came up and hugged us. When we go to schools, children who have never talked about their mental illness all of a sudden will raise their hand and give give a speech about how they feel. Um, Really, really powerful stuff. Uh, One of the most Mm. mind-blowing, astonishing scenario I had was we got invited to perform at the opening of a psychiatric hospital about 20 miles outside of town. And we were performing, not for patients, but for doctors and nurses. And we went in and did this huh. thing. And this is this is theater. It's theater. We get up there. We do these monologues. We're like, yeah, blah, 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 blah. And then we sit down. We got our heads down. Then they play some music. There's dancing. There's dancers. It's like a whole thing. And yeah, these doctors and nurses were like, oh, my God. I had never thought about mental health like that. You went to school for this stuff. You are opening a facility, and this is the first time that you've thought of people with, who are mentally ill as humans that have whole human lives. It was insane to me. Yeah. Peace is closed in 2016. In between all of that, I was also working with NAMI, with people there doing like, talking to people, setting them up with resources, trying to put them in a the right path to send them to people who will treat them like humans and, and, and yeah. find them the help that they need. Um, And I guess my favorite part was that I ended up first doing acting and then doing um, and then kind of running scenarios for training the police in something that's um, called CIT, Crisis Intervention Training, which is essentially just teaching them how to deal with people who are mentally ill, maybe not bring a gun.
2: De-escalation. Literally that,
0: yes, is de-escalation techniques. Um, And man, it was scary.
1: Are you like getting yourself into direct confrontation of ideas about how the world works with some of these cops or are, like cops like more like, oh, OK, that is helpful. Before I get into the negatives, I will
0: give some of the cops credit. Quite a few of them were very were very open to the training. Um, a lot of them, some, some of them got a lot out of it. Um, there is a man named Zach who um, is a police officer and a CIT certified officer. He's the head of that division in Milwaukee, and he is a perfect human being. And I uh, have my opinions on the police, but he is literally a person trying to do the right thing. It was, it. there was the worldview thing, because there was a guy uh, who headed one of them that I thought was a really good dude. We talked a lot, and then as soon as like protest starts, uh, after Michael Brown was brutally murdered, in Ferguson, he, um, decided to start telling me how BLM was a terrorist organization. So um, the thing that's like the thing that was so that I found out about the police is that they're scared. They're so terrified because literally every time at this very specific uh, police station too, someone would always you have to put your gun up. You know what I mean? You gotta put your gun away. You gotta lock it up before you can do anything. And there'd always be some dude who's like, oh, why do I have to why can't I have my gun? Why do I have to put it away? Like, what what do you think is gonna happen in here that you're gonna need your gun? Like, so that was scary. Is that finding out how terrified they are of any scenario in which they don't have complete control over? Um, there were a bunch of police yeah. officers who literally threatened me during the fake scenario. Yeah. Yeah, it was terrifying. There was a lot of people who were wholeheartedly against it. People be like, "I already know how to act. I
1: already know how to do it." Yeah, it seems like you're almost being brought in in a confrontational way. Like you definitely disagree with uh, a, a large part of the worldview. Uh, it seems like to me. But at the time, so like, did it seem confrontational while you were doing it?
0: Not at first, because um, at the time I was like really the same thing as when I was doing real estate is that I thought. Yeah that I could get inside the same thing. We always think when we're thinking about doing good, I thought that I could get inside the system and do some good. Um, what happened was they kicked us out. This very specific police department, we had a 62 year old woman who was pretending to sell potions in the park and she just needed, Mm. they just needed an intervention. This dude walked up to her, grabbed her, shoved her against the wall in the fake scenario and dislocated her shoulder.
1: And okay. we so super violent against his old woman. Yeah. Yeah. It was like the scenario we're presented with. That's the, what would normally happen. The point
0: of the end. exercise was that he would normally do that and that he shouldn't do that. And his instincts told him to just do that. Even though it was a fake scenario. It was crazy. We demanded the name of the <laughs> officer. They refused to give it to us. They kicked us out and they just stopped the program. So, um, that was my experience with the police. Um, I remember I had wow. I, Facebook memories is really good at attaching you to your old bullshit worldview. And yeah. I, I just recently got one from 2014. It's like, hey, guys, I know the cops go through a lot, but these graduating class, the CIT class is doing really well. And they're doing really good work. And those people that I tagged in that then went on to be on Facebook talking about, yeah, bring your protest to my my neighborhood. I'm going to mow you down. All this stuff that yeah. literally I would have never assumed that they think like that. And the fact of the matter is, is now I have to make that assumption. And so that's when I got, I I really got into an ACAP frame of mind because it's Mm -hmm. what I witnessed. I witnessed them close rank. I witnessed the blue wall. I witnessed the violence and the obfuscation, like the gaslighting. I I, I experienced it all firsthand. That combined with my experience in that other business really put a different, like a really permanent stain on my viewpoint of these particular industries so that was right. my experience with that and um i mean <sighs> and then you know i i've just had really bad experiences with cops ever since
1: authority like in like the idea of you know who will watch the watchers is uh a whole that's a whole fucking thing like it's it, it's just inviting havoc right you the answer is no one. people above <laughs> each other yeah. you know based on uh just a job title you know yeah, man. Um, that there's a lot of problems that are inherent with that shit. Like, I, it's a very human. I feel like, like the problem in the in, in the different the differences there are very very human in origin, right? It's a fucking. I'm not. I'm. I am not i i do not mean that to diminish uh, the impact of that at all. By the way.
0: No, no, no. I understand what you're saying. It's and the thing about the police is that I. I absolutely. We were talking about trauma before, and we're talking about instinct, and we're talking about like training, like people are trained to believe a specific thing. And I can see that, and I empathize with that in the police. But their power is so extreme that i it's, it's worth more to be afraid of it than it is to empathize with it. For your yes. own safety, it is better to just be careful around the police. Um, And that's, that sucks because the the image that the cops try to portray versus what they actually do are are so vastly different. And that's unfortunate. And we need a a complete overhaul of the system. I thought we were going to get a minor overhaul after last year. And we didn't. We got nothing. Like even Portland right now is like, well, I guess the, instead of letting the police quit, we'll just put a, specify that they don't have to take the vaccine. You mean the people that interact with immunocompromised people on a regular basis that interact with old people on a regular basis that interact with the public don't have to take the thing that'll keep them from killing people come on so yeah yeah, that was a really mentally taxing time in my life um and getting out of that was very difficult um that sounds
1: incredibly dramatic it's it's super dramatic dramatic. (laughs) super dramatic yeah I mean, yeah, like for real, though. it's like you're these are issues like I'm not just going to work to build something for someone else. I'm like involved in a fucking thing that's uh, very dear to my heart or whatever. An issue. That's yeah. Important. Yeah. Yeah. So. But you're also funny. Well, that's you know? the thing is
0: like uh, my funniness stems from. Uh, a trauma response, essentially, because uh, to get through the yeah, shit that, that I went funny through. Funny
1: tends to do that all sad clown bullshit. It's uh, there's something to it. I don't know.
0: Uh, yeah, I don't see myself as a sad clown. I see myself as just like I was funny because it was something a way that I reacted to stuff, and I just kind of naturally adhere like applied that to something, used that skill set for something else.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we just uh, use the skills we've learned and adapt them, right? And that's, yeah.
0: And sometimes, and the thing about the police is, like, we use the skills we learn to adapt. So there's just two different kinds of adapted skills slamming into each other. It was crazy. So in, like, 2015, (laughs) after coming out of that, uh, 2016, I, like, had a mental breakdown, almost killed myself, wrote about it. Uh, And then I ended up writing for Huffington post about it for a while. Oh, wow. Um,
1: That's a, that's an interesting opportunity, like mixed in with all that, like fucking heartbreak, right?
0: I mean, yeah, I was basically, I wrote an essay about it and sent it to uh, Ariana Huffington and she was like, this is great. I'd like to publish this. And she did. And I wrote for them for a while. Then their management changed and their whole system uh, changed. So I stopped, but yeah, that's my experience in, um, so, I was directly involved in that stuff uh, for a while. And it's been kind of a weird kind of couple of years not being a part of it because it was such an integral part of it. And I'm still kind of dealing with it. Yeah. But um, at the end of all that, it, I mean, it was worthy work. And I'm glad I did the work. And I'm glad I got to see that because my opinions, my thoughts come from a genuine place. I don't have just, well, the police are stupid. You're bad. Why? Well, let me give you a specific reason.
1: So I think, uh, yeah, the thing that like we've really vibed and actually like I kind of let this episode go long because uh, I just I have really enjoyed talking with you. I appreciate that. Um, Likewise. Yeah, it it seems to me that the thing I really am attracted to about uh, you after having this conversation uh, to this length is that you're just very vulnerable. You're willing to put yourself out there. Um kind of willing to deal with, with that, you know, and, and I really appreciate that about people. So that's been really cool because not enough people are willing to share their experience with others and let us know that we're not alone. Right.
0: I think, yeah, absolutely. I think that we're kind of coming out of that now. I really appreciate what I'm seeing coming out, coming out of the generation coming up behind us um, yeah. who are not only open about it, but are like, viciously aggressively open about it to the degree that yeah. no one can ignore it anymore because i mean i, I yeah. you can relate to this you help that you hold that stuff in it eats at you and yeah. i was hiding it for so long that it was driving me even more crazy so the only thing yeah. i have left to do is be completely open about it and some people are pandering clowns about it and some people are kind of rude about it and those people you know they're reacting the way that they know how to react um, but I can't,
1: there's, there's, there's no benefit to living in the shadows. I think when, uh, lies have been so impactful in your life, there's something about radical honesty that becomes very appealing, but I, uh, such a good point. in hindsight also can say it's very awkward for some people that haven't had the same trauma. You know what I mean? They're just like, yeah, okay. That's a bit much for me. Uh, can you just back the fuck off?
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you I, know, I don't want to talk that.
1: about your shit right like that is a thing that i've run into as a person that wants to like have open discussions i have a lot of people that will share some shit they needed to talk about with depression with me because i'm willing to talk about it but then i also have some people that are like bro well
0: i had i've definitely had to learn to like and this, an important lesson is to learn when the appropriate time is because i used to be just like a fucking yeah. just just absolutely broken oversharer, and it was like i need someone to listen to my thing and once yeah. I started doing it, and finding a, it, finding a better way to express that, you know, I found more peace and people are more willing to listen. Yeah. Um, again, it comes back to what it's, we've been talking about the whole time, learning how to communicate your trauma, your joys, your your victories, your losses. Everybody is interested in those things, but you just got to find the right way, the right like you got to get the rosetta stone out to like figure out how to how to express that to people in a way that they can that's palatable to them.
1: Yeah. Dude, uh we have uh we've been at it, man. I have enjoyed the shit out of talking to you. And Hell you yeah, know what? Dude. Uh thank you so much for coming on Lampshade Media presents Sensuous, Sensuous Lions. Sensuous Lions.
0: Yeah. That's just like a, that's a bad name, right? It should be like like Mel Melman's Melanin Deficient Jamboree. Like what do we
1: All right. <laughs> <laughs> it was called the Black Power Hour for, like, three episodes, so I feel like we could go with a uh, the Mel- Milliman's uh, melanin-deficient jamboree for a minute. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> you know, like, you know, I I'm starting to, like, I've changed my brand enough at this point to where, like, sometimes, like, I'm not really, like, you know, I've been hurt so I don't fall in love right away sometimes. I'm just going <laughs> to test the waters, you know, like maybe move in first and like see how the name, you know, feels in the morning with no makeup or whatever, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'm I, I'll tell you what, like I'm going to commit to your uh to your idea uh to that extent. I'm going to I'm I'm going to try it out. Okay, okay.
0: Okay. I like it. I like I'm gonna it. I feel for it because Another good uh, idea dropped by Jason Hillman. Does it ever stop? Yeah.
1: Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't stop. <laughs>
2: it never it never stops. I won't it stop. What have we learn today?
0: Kiddos. <laughs> what have we learned today? Communication is key.
1: I feel like we've learned that you have uh, you know, a lot of like fucking passion for these for these issues and that has been uh, that has been pretty uh, uplifting for me. Like, that is cool. Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I have mean, you learned? What have, I mean, literally,
0: it's it literally the thing that I've learned is, um, I mean, to be serious, this is super serious. Now, like, really listening to your story has been really enlightening because I love seeing people who came from a specific place kind of evolve out of that place through their own volition. Um, even if by accident, you know,
1: um, it wasn't my own volition for sure. It was, a, I, uh, yeah, I can't really accept responsibility. It was like a matter of like random connections that connected and made me feel a way and uh, made me ask a specific question. Beautiful. That's really. What the thing means. we've
0: learned today, again, is like communication. You got to talk to people the right way. Everyone deserves grace ex- ex- except those people, you know who they are.
1: Um, yeah. I think accepting that that you could be wrong is always the best assumption to make in when going into any kind of serious conversation because like we need to lead with that humility because that's what makes people like have faith in you. If you you know what I mean if you're willing to be corrected like I'm going to have way more faith in you.
0: Oh man that's that's literally yes. Um there's nothing the most important moment in my life was realizing how wrong I was about some things. I love having a conversation and where I learn new information, unless I know it's wrong, you know, when you're trying to teach me something that's wrong. But like, I like learning new yeah. things in the same way that I like bombing. You know, there's a certain, you gotta, the first thing you gotta stab the in the heart, you, gotta, you gotta be the crow in Prometheus's like entrails. You gotta always be pecking at your ego, ripping it yeah. out because it's always gonna grow back. So yeah. you gotta keep pecking it out.
1: Stop playing with fire. Oh, we have uh, we fucking learned a lot, man. Uh, What a what a what a fantastic. We like I I ran like super long tonight, and it's like I am like really stoned. But like, it's just been so nice to talk to you. Thank you so much for playing. Yeah, man, you're welcome for the new. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome.
0: Uh, This has been an incredible conversation. Um, I'm looking forward to another conversation. Um, Yeah, man, it's been great. I appreciate (laughs) you.
1: Well. I, you know, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to try and talk to, uh, some of your, uh, some of your friends up there in uh, Chicago way and, uh, get, uh, lampshade media hip to the Chicago scene.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I can give you some names mm-hmm. for some people around here. That's worth talking to too.
1: Yeah. Hell yeah. Hell
0: yeah. Awesome. And you know what? I, uh, we're going to talk about some shows too.
1: Yeah, yeah, what shows you got going on? I will be headlining the
0: Sparrow Theater in Charleston, South Carolina on the 22nd of October, Saturday the 22nd. Um, and I will be headlining at Melissa Hahn's Asheville Joint and on the 20th, no, tw- 19th, that Wednesday. So those are the big shows I got coming up and then just kind of filling in in between.
1: And where where people find you online and all that shit, let's get it all out there.
0: Uh, you can find me at Jason the Hillman on Instagram. You can find me at Woke Menace on Twitter. You can find me on Facebook at uh, Jason Hillman. You can find me on TikTok at Woke Menace. Um, that's it right now. I got some. I'm going to have some. <laughs> I'm going to have some NFTs up on OpenSea in a couple of days. But uh, that's yeah. <laughs> we're gonna into, yeah. We're not going to get yeah. into. We're not going to get into the the new
1: internet now we got we we've already run too long <laughs> yeah dude yeah we are uh yeah hey, if you've stayed this long you're into some uh some deep conversation and you're my people love you much uh dude jason it has been so great uh getting to know you this like you know i've never like had a in-depth conversation with you once before in my life but we just had a good time and oh yeah I, I appreciate that we did it we did the thing <laughs> yeah and when uh doing shows in people's houses becomes acceptable in polite society again i definitely want to have you out for a lampshade media house show oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah take we, the hell out dude, of that. we we have so much we didn't cover i might have to do another update with you just to talk about this house show uh documentary and shit man i I've, I've, I've failed as a host <laughs> you failed us you were the chosen one okay yeah Alright. But uh, but no, you got so much going on. People go check out Jason Hillman, all right. He's he's turning around, check that shit out. Love you, Jason. Much love much you too.
0: bye This program is produced by Lampshade Media, hosted by Mel Milliman, music by Tyson Shipman, graphic design by Griffin Browning, social media by Sam Welch. Voiceover by Ryan Branch. And a special thank you to our sponsors, Paddy Wagon Food and The Garden.